Nation, I'm Jordan. What an awesome Easter weekend we had. We have so much to celebrate, so let me tell you what's happening on the Hill. Our next Pathways is April 25th. Each Pathways includes a Chick-fil-A dinner at 6 p.m., followed by one of these three sessions. The first step is salvation and membership. Second step is discipleship. And the third step is involvement and stewardship. If you need to attend one of these, don't delay. Sign up on our website. For those out there looking for a new hobby, we have something new to try starting April 17th. On Monday nights, Shelby Christian will have square dancing. That's right, I said dancing. Stay tuned for more information on that. Dave is starting a four-week series called Dive Deep. It's time to take a deep dive into growing in Christ. Dave and Jason will be discussing these four topics. Growing with each other, caring for each other, praying for each other, and holding each other accountable. So invite someone to come and learn with us. And we can't forget our baptisms. Help me celebrate these baptisms that happened on the hill this past week. Vince and Darby were both baptized Sunday morning and Cody Harden was also baptized on Sunday morning. Congratulations. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, forgive us all your sins. Forgive the Holy Spirit with inside of On your confession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What's up, Shelby Christian? So glad to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Man, what an awesome Easter weekend we had. I hope you had a great weekend last weekend. As you stand to your feet, we want to sing this first song. We want to invite the Spirit of God into this place. So would you pray with me real quick? Father God, we just want to shout your praises today. We want to sing for joy, Lord, for what you are doing. Lord, what you're going to do, Lord, when we ask you, we invite you to come and be a part of this service that we have. Lord, we want to exalt you and lift you up that you can come heal, restore, refresh us, O Lord, with your spirit. It's like the word says, come like a flood, like a fire, an all-consuming fire, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing. Spirit, oh, in the 
this morning. Good morning, church. Um, this is Jerry Tipton. He is a close friend and family member to me. Uh, Jerry's married to Jamie Tipton, and they've been coming to church pretty, pretty consistently since, what, January? And um, Jerry today has decided to, or last Sunday actually, after the Easter service to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And that was time that he'd be baptized today. I also found out in the back, I also found out in the back that yesterday was him and Jamie's 16th anniversary. And I couldn't think of any better gift or anniversary gift than this today. So Jerry, you ready? Yep. All right. Repeat after me. I believe. I believe. 
Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God. Son of the living God. And I accept him. I accept him. As my personal Lord and Savior. As my personal Lord and Savior. And Jerry, because of your confession, I'm now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins and the gift of eternal life. daughter Millie so I could not ask for a better first daughter she's done an amazing job of training me and breaking me in as a parent and she's also been an absolute blessing as a big sister to mentor to her younger sisters so um, we also train in martial arts and we're two of three that are getting baptized today so this is the equivalent of punching Satan right in the face right baby girl all right repeat after me I believe that Christ, Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God, and I accept him as my personal Lord and Savior. With this confession, I'll baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins and the gift of eternal life. I'm going to cover your nose. church if y'all haven't noticed the trend here Shelby Christian this hill this is hell's worst nightmare Satan is losing another one today this is my friend Landon I met him two weeks ago he'd been coming to the church for over five weeks so he went low undercover instead of avoiding and avoiding involving minister but first thing he said to me was hey man I wouldn't get involved which is like a Jehovah Jireh that's the best thing you could say to an associate pastor Comes to my Bible study, loves the Bible study, texts me and says, dude, I'm ready to get baptized. Just so what are your, your, your guys' uh, culture and your men's study and everything like that. So that's the second best thing, actually the best thing you can say to any pastor. So he's ready to get baptized. So let's go ahead and do this confession, my man. Right. Repeat after me. I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God. Son of the living God. And I accept him. And I accept him. As my personal Lord and Savior. As my personal Lord and Savior. Landon, because of that confession, before this church, before heaven, before God, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the gift of eternal life and the remission of your sins, my man. Let's go for a swim. Heaven's rejoicing this morning, amen. You can be seated real quick. We're just going to continue our worship as we, uh, every week we come and we bring our offerings and our tithes into the storehouse. Uh, for those that are visiting today, we just want to thank you for being here. We do have um, some communion places on each side of the sanctuary and in the back and in the front. But as we continue our worship 
just want to read this to you for those that have made Shelby Christian your home, um, your place. Uh, just want to read this in Malachi 3. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And the Lord says, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. It's one of the places in Scripture where he says, Test me. See if I won't do what I say I would do. And he said, See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God wants you to worship with what he's given you so greatly. Our positions, our our jobs, our incomes. And this week I was able to celebrate with my wife. Uh, so thankful to, that we have been married for 27 years, uh, just this week, uh, which is a blessing. And um, I was thinking about just, you know, that day that we had, and we had a big celebration. We had food and gifts and everything. And, and I thought about, there's going to be another celebration in heaven. It's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're Christ's church. We're going to celebrate like no wedding you've ever seen one day. You believe that for those that call him Lord, for those that proclaim his name, one day we'll be together in that celebration. What a day it will be. But right now we want to remember what Jesus did so that one day we would have eternal life with him. He gave his life. He poured out everything for us. So as you come and get those elements today, let's pray that we would just keep following him, keep continuing to seek what he has for us, transforming us. Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you, Lord, that one day we will be with you. We will celebrate and just seeing your face, seeing the people that have gone before us. What a rejoicing time it will be, Lord. And God, as we draw strength today upon what you did on the cross, upon what sacrifice you made for us once and for all, for all the world. Today, we love you, and we want to remember that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
How I long to breathe the air of heaven Where rain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who bled to save me And walk with him for all eternity
could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do, but every song must So I throw up my hands, praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, I'm nothing else fit for a king, except for a heart singing
please you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And I know it's not much But I'm nothing else fit for a king Except for this heart singing Hallelujah, Hallelujah, and I throw up my hands and praise you again and again, cause all that I church, right? I mean, it don't, get, it don't get any better than this until we get there, all right? And man, oh my goodness, it's been, Jerry, way to go, and, and, and Millie, and Landon, and the stories, man, and Josh, we're, that's two, man, you get to three and we hire you, that's the thing, all right? Uh, that's the thing, but it, it, it's just like the most amazing thing. If you guys were here last week, anytime in the Easter week services, I just want you to know you were part of the second biggest crowd we've ever had uh, for any kind of weekend here on the hill. And so next year we're going for number one, all right? Uh, but it was incredible, incredible. 2,264 people in those five services, plus however many hundreds. We Like counting people at the Easter egg hunt is like 
nailing jello to the wall. I mean, it's a, uh, but like hundreds that were there for that event and uh, five people that gave their life to the Lord last week and uh, just more and more this week. So it, it, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. Uh, and, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. You guys that are married, and especially if you've been married for a few years now or in some cases a few decades now, okay? You know some things that some people that are sitting around the room don't know yet, all right? For, for those that are like just dating or engaged or hope to be dating or hope to be engaged or are newlyweds, those of us that got a few years on the belt, we know some things. We know some things that you just, you don't know what you don't know. And you can't find it out until like you live it. But here's what we know. This, this whole idea uh, of keeping the romantic fires burning and the passion, intimacy, and all those things doesn't just happen. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You got to work on it. You've got to invest time in it. You've got to say, this is that important to me. And so I'm not just going to be like a one and done. Here's the ring. I told you I love you. If I ever change my mind, I'll tell you then. No, we got to, no, like, it, it, it's like ongoing. You've got to work on it. So here's my premise. If that is true for these relationships that we're in with each other, could it be that the same principle is true in terms of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Could it be that it's not just a one and done, I love you, I want to get baptized, okay, I'm good, let's go. No, it's not, it's something that takes work and work and continue to work. We call that process discipleship, all right? And so here's what's been going on. And a few of us have been talking about that God's been blessing us so much this year and all these people have been giving their lives to the Lord and, and getting baptized. And it's our job the rest of it, it's our job to discipleship, disciple them and make sure they grow up. So I just challenge, are you ready for that? Because it, it, it's great, it's great. I tell them all backstage, I told them all just while I go backstage, I was like, when you come up out of the water, first thing you do, listen to the applause, listen to the applause. But what I tell them is, listen to the applause because that's hundreds of people are saying, we got your back. Do you? Do you? Are you, are you willing to invest some time? Are you willing to get your hands dirty and your hearts dirty and, and, and go on a journey with some of these people that are, are just surrendering their lives to Christ and they need accountability partners, they need mentors, they need disciples. Because it's not just about, it's not just about getting them into the water, that, that's, that's big, that's huge, but it's about discipling them, helping them become fully devoted disciples. That's our purpose, to exist, to reach people for Christ, that's it, and equip them to become fully devoted disciples, impacting the world for Christ. That's, that's why we exist. And for that to happen, takes work. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't, I would love it if there was like this pill that we could give them backstage when they accept Christ. And then as soon as they come out of the water, we could hand them this pill and it's just going to grow them up into a fully devoted disciple. That would be so awesome. That would be so awesome. But then that would, that would rob you guys of part of the experience of helping to disciple someone to get them to where they need to be. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. In Philippians chapter 3, starting verse 12, look what he says. Paul, Paul said, the one who was 
transformed on the road to Damascus and, and realized Jesus, he said, he said, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. Paul didn't think he had it all together. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ, by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not agree, uh, regard myself uh, as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, you are curly and city slickers, just one, one thing, you know. Paul's like, okay, you can just see him like he's got his finger up when he's, when he's saying this in the recording. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies and reach behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We're, we're here for the next four weeks. Jason and I are going to do this. We're going to be talking about diving deeper, uh, about going deeper, about like growing up in Christ. Because you see, last week was so awesome, and, and, and 2,000 years ago, that week was so awesome. Jesus' resurrection uh, was a history-changing moment. But it wasn't the end. It wasn't even the end of his time here on planet Earth walking around. No, in fact, there are 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and the time that he ascended back to the Father in heaven. 40 days that he's walking around and seeing people, meeting with friends and still doing some teaching and ministering and loving on people. And then it gets to the end of that 40 days. And if you've got your Bible, it's kind of recorded in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, right at the very beginning of it, we see what happens at the culmination of those 40 days. Uh, You go down, if you skip down to verse 4, it says, Once when he was eating with them, Jesus commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? See, they're still, they're still in conquering Messiah mode. All right, you with me? They're still in, okay, this Messiah is going to do whatever, but he's going to like let, he's going to like conquer. He's going to like take over. Israel, the nation of Israel is going to be set free. The Jewish nation is going to be set free uh, from the enslavement of that. They're still in that mode. But then in verse 7, look what Jesus says. He says, guys, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But, truth always comes after the but. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. So check this out. You got the resurrection. You got Jesus coming back to life, coming out of the tomb. And everybody, can you imagine the excitement of that? Like the excitement of, because he had told them, he had told them before that, yeah, I'm going to die, and in three days I'll be back. I mean, he, they didn't understand it, but he kind of told them. He didn't really kind of, and especially didn't give a timeline, didn't say, and then I'll be here for 40 days and I'm out. So he's back, 
He's living with them. He's telling them about all, man, there's gonna be all these things you sh- that we've seen and that I've done and y'all have witnessed and y'all think it's so cool and so awesome. You ain't seen nothing yet. Man, there is stuff that's going to happen that's going to blow your mind. All right? And, and so they're getting pumped again and then all of a sudden they're standing there with him and... What? Like, beat me up, Scotty. Like, he, he's just gone. And, and, they're, and they're left there. And, and then they start talking about, what, you know, he said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And, there. and so what that really meant was, he said, what's going to happen here, what's going to happen here real soon, is like throwing a giant rock into a pond. And it's going to hit the pond. And, and that's what happened in the resurrection. But what he said, but then you guys are the ripples. You guys are the ripples that are going to spread. It's going to start off here in Jerusalem. But then it's going to go further. But here's, here was a problem that happened. They kind of liked it in Jerusalem because, I mean, it's happening there. I mean, there's been the resurrection and things are going great and awesome and awesome. They don't get what's about to happen. They don't get that there's going to be some tough times and that what Satan intended to destroy them in persecution, God was going to use to begin the ripple effect and to send them out. To send them out beyond Jerusalem to GD and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So, 40 days. Resurrection, ascension. And they're still there. What? And then it's 10 more days. 10 more days to the day of Pentecost. Another huge celebration for the Jewish nation. And that's where the Holy Spirit showed up and showed out. Now, that doesn't seem like that long since we're looking at it from the other side of history, right? But have you ever waited for something that you thought was going to happen now and it took 10 days? Like, I don't know, the tax refund check in the mail? I, I don't know. You know, and, and it's like, anything? 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 I bet they were getting together and they're like looking at anything happening. You, like, you, get, you guys got anything? Like, no, 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 no. Ten days. And now it's Pentecost. And on, in chapter 2 of Acts, on the first day, or on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. They're all together, big group meeting. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. And at that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem and they heard the loud noise and everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear in their own languages being spoken by the believers now it's interesting what when the Holy Spirit showed up there was like like some of you have had the experience in central of Kentucky in central Kentucky of hearing a tornado right and when you hear that sound like nobody has to explain it like you're like that's a tornado. You just, you just kind of know. That, that day, there's again, and all of a sudden, there's this sound of a mighty rushing wind, and they're, they're, the disciples are like, oh, this must be it. <laughs> this must be it. And then they're seeing these tongues of fire, and then uh, sitting on, like, on people's heads, and then they're hearing. But here's what I want to tell you. Like, we need to take just a second and deep dive a little bit into this whole thing of the, the languages. Notice it says here they spoke other languages, not unknown languages. They spoke, because here's, here's what was going on. And here's what was going on. Like, you guys ever talk to somebody from Eastern Kentucky? Some of you are from there. I'm speaking to my family, all right? There, there, is, there is a language that we speak in Pike County that 
It's the same words, but Siri don't recognize it. All right, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and then, but here, then here, but here, stay with me, because then, like, I would, I, I was born, and then I went back and, and went to school in East Tennessee. So I got these Eastern Kentucky roots, and I go back to East Tennessee, and, and I married somebody from there, and she still says Sprite. You're like, like it's the same words. It's the same words, but Siri don't recognize that either. And you go down, like some of you have got roots in Louisiana. And you go down to the bayou and like, I'm not even really sure what they just said. Like, but it's English or, or people from up north. And we all got these different dialects. But outside of Siri, for the most part, we understand what people from different parts of our country are saying when they talk. For the most part, all right? Not so in this. Everybody would come together for Pentecost. They'd come from just all around the region. And it wasn't different dialects. It was different languages. It was completely different languages. I, and when I was in Ukraine in 2010, the only place I've ever been on the planet that nobody, except for our interpreter and the two guys that went with me, nobody spoke a word of English. That's a weird feeling. When you're walking around 24-7 and you don't hear any English. And, and when our interpreter had to go home at night and go back to our apartment and we had to go out to eat, we could only go to restaurants with pictures on the menu. We had no clue how to order anything. It's a weird thing when you can't understand language. And when you're trying to spread the gospel message and people can't even communicate, something special has to happen. And you notice what Luke recorded. Everybody heard in their own language. Not a, not a strange language or not an un... Like everybody was able to hear and understand in their language, all right? So like the folks from Pike County can understand the people from Louisiana and the people from East Tennessee can understand the people from New York because they were hearing, they, all of a sudden they were hearing it in their own language. So yes, it was a gift of tongues, but it was also a gift of ears as God enabled them to be able to hear this amazing message. And with all that, then Peter, Peter, man, Peter, the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth, because up until this time, up until Jesus' death, there was so much of Peter's life that every time he opened his mouth, he stuck his foot in it. Because he's bold and he's, he's courageous and he's like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll never, I'll never let them do anything. Oh yeah, you'll deny me three times before the night's over. You know, he's that guy. But then when Jesus comes back and, and he appears and he tells the ladies, go find my disciples and Peter. He was calling out Peter because he wanted to restore Peter. And so now Peter's restored and they'd had all kinds of, they had the great breakfast on the beach where Jesus was there and cooked, cooked for him. And he said, okay, Peter, if you love me, go feed my sheep. Peter's ready now. And he starts preaching in Acts chapter 2. He starts preaching. And some of you grew up, some of you, church is a whole new thing. But some of you grew up in some of the smaller country churches where you would hear like what they call hellfire and brimstone sermons. You know, like preachers coming off the pulpit and jumping in your lap. You know, like you, you feel like he's talking to you kind of stuff. Peter preached the first one of those on the day of Pentecost. And he reminds everybody in Acts chapter 2, hey, we waited for centuries for a Messiah. And he came and you killed him. You and you and you and you and you and you and everybody that was shouting crucify him, you killed the Messiah. And all of a sudden, Acts 2 tells us that in verse 36, it says, and the people understood this and they were brokenhearted. The King James Version says they were cut to their heart. But that, what that means is they were brokenhearted. They were like, oh my, what are we going to do now? And so they asked Peter. 
And Peter says in verse 38, you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you. Turn to God and, and he will give you forgiveness of your sins and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you got all that? Because all this, all that is setting the stage, okay? So what's happened is Jesus comes, Jesus ministers, Jesus is arrested, Jesus is killed. Jesus raises from the dead, spends 40 days ministering, then he's back into heaven. And and then 10 days later, the Holy Spirit comes and Peter preaches and thousands are baptized. I mean, this is the coolest thing that that we've experienced here in in a long time with people every week being baptized. But you got to get your kind of mind around this. The Bible tells us on the day of Pentecost that when Peter said, you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, that 3,000 men, nothing against women and children, but in that time and the way they kept things in history, they they only counted adult men when they did a census like that. So when they said 3,000, it was 3,000 men over the age of 18, like whatever, the adult age. But that there were women and children in addition to that. So get your mind around 8, 10, 12,000 people in one day being baptized and the church has started and now it's not just you know a few here and a few there a few this week a few next week it's like thousands in one day that need to be discipled so what's the church to do in, in the in the book of psalms old testament psalm 42 verse 7 david wrote deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me now. This has been an awesome, awesome time in Jerusalem, but it's time to go deep. And so we go on down to verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. Let's see how these early church members dove deep into a relationship with Jesus. The first thing was, there was a sense of commitment. A huge sense of commitment. So here's what happens. There is, there is, oftentimes, there is a sense of complacency that comes after a big win. Whatever it is, in your family, in your business, in athletics, athletic team, it pulls this great, huge, wonderful victory, upset, and the very next week they're scheduled to play a much lesser team, and they become complacent, and all of a sudden, instead of pulling the upset, they're the ones that are upset because they got complacent. They sat back and they rest on their laurels, and that happens a lot. But rather than a sense of complacency, these believers felt a sense of commitment commitment and a desire to dive deeper look at what verse 42 says in acts chapter 2 it says all the believers all of them devoted themselves they were committed to the apostles teaching to fellowship to the breaking of bread which includes common meals and the lord's supper and to prayer that's what they did that's how they dove deeper you have to realize that many of these believers these early believers This is less than two months from the day that Jesus was crucified. Okay, three days in the grave, uh, resurrected, 40 days, 10 days. It's less than two months. So a lot of these early believers had seen or at least knew somebody who had seen Jesus die on the hill that day. It's that fresh to them. And, And many of them, at least 500 of them, the Bible tells us, had seen Jesus again live and well. And the rest of them had heard all about it. They couldn't just go on with life as if nothing happened. So they got together a lot, a lot. 
This, these, what, what's happening here, what, verse 42, this, you realize this may very well have been the very first life group ministry that ever existed, right? They're getting together and they're doing life together. They can't, they, they're talking about it all the time. They're, they're eating meals together. They're doing all these things together. And it says that they did four things. Now, one of them is prayer. And Jason's going to talk about that a lot in the next couple of weeks. So I'm just going to skip over that. But let's look at these other three. The first thing it says is the apostles teaching. The apostles teaching. And, and scripture, scripture would be the building block for everything they needed to do to continue to follow Jesus and live for God. Now, what was scripture? They couldn't go to Lifeway, Amazon, wherever, and get one of these. That, that didn't happen for, for centuries later. It was in scroll. What was written was in scrolls. And they were at the synagogue. They had to go there and they had to read them in a, in a group setting. Or they just had to listen to the actual firsthand teaching accounts of those who had been there. And that's why the disciples who became apostles, they were so critical. Because they're like, we were with him. We, we walk with them. And so they're listening to that and they're digesting that and they're talking about that. They're sharing ideas and understanding what all that stuff means. And, and, and scripture now has to be interpreted and understood through the lens of Jesus, Jesus being the Messiah. And so the apostles' teaching that they were doing every day is the conduit to which they grew to know Jesus, draw close to Jesus, and please Jesus. And to know that Jesus is their Savior and he's the bridegroom that's coming back for the church. Now, there are a lot of really cool people in history that I would have loved to just hung out with. I, I would love to have just gone fishing, hung out, talked. But we didn't live at the same period of time. And so the only real way that I can get to know them is to read about them or to hear from other people who have read about them and know them and I can learn that way. And so that's what they're doing. They're, they're finding out more and more about Jesus as they deal with the apostles' teaching. Second thing it says they did was fellowship. And the word that's translated as fellowship in your Bibles, it's a Greek word koinonia. Koinonia, which refers to this really close association involving people with mutual interest and sharing. It, it's a close relationship that's characterized by being involved. It's not just, oh yeah, I know him. You ever had that, you know, somebody say, hey, you know so-and-so? Yeah, I think I met him once. Okay, that means you know who they are. You don't know them. Now, you see the difference? And they're trying, they're, they know each other. They, they're, they're intimate with each other in terms of, like they know things about families and they've prayed together and stuff. And so that's what this kind of fellowship is. It's not just a, a taco bar and, a, and hanging out, which all that's not bad. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's, it's by definition love and goodwill that comes from people that we're close to people that were close to and, and there's generosity and participation involved it, it, it's the kind of relationship you have with somebody if you know you know there's people no matter how much money or little money you've got there are certain people in your life that if you knew they were in trouble financially they wouldn't have to ask you you would just give them some of what you had just because you're that close all right, that's the kind of fellowship they're having. This is, this is people that they have a deep, intimate involvement and knowledge with. 
And in fact, here's what John said in the book, in the letter of 1 John. He said, we proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us so that we can be on the same page. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. So telling people, telling people about Jesus, that's important. It's called evangelism. It, it, it's not fellowship. Fellowship is when you get into that deep relationship and we're doing life together. We're doing, that's why we're, that's why it's such a big deal for us. That, that everybody gets in some sort of life group and gets connected to people that can help grow together and do life together. The, the last thing it says they did, or the last thing we're going to talk about is breaking bread. Now, this phrase in Scripture uh, can mean either one of two things. It's the same phrase, same word that's used differently in a couple of things. One way it's used is a common meal. It's like, you know, okay, let's, okay, what we do on Thursday nights before service here, and we have a meal out in the lobby for people who are coming straight from work to make it easier, and we, we kind of like eat together and hang out together, right? So it's like common meal that you might have with someone. But it also, it also refers to the Lord's Supper, that was instituted at the Last Supper with Jesus in the upper room. But either way it's used, it's a, it's a special cherished moment, all right? I want you to think of it this way, all right? Think of it this way. You're home this afternoon and the doorbell rings. And you look out through the little peephole or window on the side, whatever, and you see somebody standing out outside of your front door and you got no clue who they are. None. Never seen them before a day in your life. Now, if, if you choose to open the door, they ain't getting any farther than that front stoop, right? I don't know you. There's no way you're like coming inside my house, all right? That's the front porch or the front stoop is for strangers, all right? If you look at it and you go, oh yeah, that's, that's Joe from, from church. Yeah, I know who that is. And, and you open the door and you talk from it and you're cordial. You're like, you want to just like step inside, like especially if it's rain or something. And, and because you know who they are, they get access to your, 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 your entryway, your, your lobby, if you would. That, that part, that entryway into your house. If you look and it, it's like, oh yeah, we used to like, we used to go to high school, we used to do this, whatever, like, I, I, I know more than just in passing. Then you open the door and say, hey, you want to come in? You want to have a seat? And in that person, you might actually take in your living room and sit down and just kind of talk for a few minutes. But I know you. The only people in 2023 that make it to your kitchen table are people that you have a deep relationship with. That, man, it might be cool. It might be a cool thing. <laughs> we might do this as a social experiment. But I'm guessing that you don't invite the UPS guy to come in and have lunch with you. It's not going to happen. Those times are reserved for people that we have some level of intimate relationship with. And that's what it's talking about here. It says they got together and they were breaking bread in that way. They were coming. These, this is, they're doing life together. Now, in terms of the Lord's Supper, they did that at least once a week. They did it on the first day of the week. Acts chapter 20 
verse 7 tells us on the first day of the week they got together for breaking of bread. And in that particular sense, they were talking specifically about the Lord's Supper. Now, it's important for us, that's where we get our precedent for what we do here when we have the Lord's Supper uh, every, every Sunday. But we also have it on Thursday. That's not the first day of the week. See, the precedent is not the principle. There's a difference between precedent and principle. The precedent that we see is the early church, once they started, they did it at least once a week. But you know what the principle was? It was what Jesus said in the upper room. You know what Jesus said? The only teaching he gave us about the Lord's Supper? He said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. See, there's no timeline associated with that. In fact, I would say that there's a really good chance that these guys that are getting together every day, they're doing it every day, especially in those early days. I mean, every day. The whole principle there is this is a time to remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Whether you do it on a Sunday morning, Thursday night, Tuesday afternoon, or every day of the week. That's the principle. Do this in remembrance of me. But for us, the precedent is Acts chapter 20, verse 7. When they got together, they did that as a form of worship. Either way, either sense of this word, it's a special cherished moment. So there's this sense of all, a uh, sense of commitment. We've got to move really quickly. Look at verse 43. Because after the sense of commitment, there's a sense of all. It says, a deep sense of all came over them. And the apostles performed miracles and signs and wonders. These people had seen Jesus perform miracles and raise people from the dead. And now these, these guys, these, these people that we originally called disciples, and now they're called apostles because they move, they transition from being just followers to those that are called out to lead all right these apostles are sharing and they're doing amazing stuff if you think about it, if you're very much of a scholar of scripture when you read in the gospels while jesus was still here the disciples struggled doing miracles they couldn't get it done a lot of time they come and they didn't have the faith they didn't trust and several stories in scripture they come back lord we tried to do this and it didn't work well you don't have the faith or or people even say your disciples tried to you know do this miracle and they couldn't do it well yeah but now What scripture just said is the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. People are seeing stuff. It was an amazing time. And they were just like open mouth tourist look like jaw dropping in awe of what was going on. Kind of like what's going on among us right now. I mean, I mean, stop and think about it. Guys, God is up to up to something. If, If you can't sense that God is up to something? One of our worship leaders is a doctor and he can take your pulse as soon as we're done here. All right? God is up to something. And the coolest thing about this is I typed these notes earlier in the week and I'm having to, I'm having to mark out numbers and change them because when I typed this uh, on Tuesday, I said, there's been 25 baptisms and then we had one Thursday night. So now 26, 29. Guess what? I get to scratch that number out again next service. By the end of the day, at least 32, just here since the beginning of the year, an additional 33 people that came as baptized believers said, we want to be members of this place. We want to be, and if you start doing the math in your head, that's somewhere between 50 and 60 people in the first quarter of the year times four. That's like 200 new members. That's bigger than most churches. And God's doing something. And we need to recognize that. We need to be in all that. The next Pathways, if you want to join, is a week from this Tuesday night. See Bobby as soon as service is over. He'll hook you up. 
And in addition to that, we got hundreds and hundreds of people every week that are getting together in life groups and Bible studies. And, and in addition to that, and I'm not going to point any fingers. In fact, I'll just look straight at my notes so that nobody thinks I'm looking. We've got marriages that are being restored that six months ago, most of us would say there's no hope. And now they're together and God's doing great things. We've got addicts that are finding recovery and that aren't drinking and that aren't using. We've got, we've got people that have just stopped all kinds. That God is changing lives. And we need to be in all of that. We need to be in all of that. But guys, it ain't just here. It's not just here. It's like when the, when the gospel message started to spread. So like Easter is like a kind of a big deal, you know, for like pastors. And so we've got our own little networks. And so like last Sunday afternoon, pastors' phones around the country are blowing up, talking to each other. How'd it go? How'd it go? How'd it go? One of my closest, or two of my closest friends are Matt and Brandon Wilson in, in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, FSC. And so we're, we're talk, actually texting and talking like, how was that? It was awesome. They were supposed to have an outdoor service out toward the beach and it poured and so like on the flip in like an hour they moved inside and had I don't know how many 2,000 I don't know and like how many we had, and they were like we had five baptisms a day that makes almost 30 for the year and I was like man we're right on the same pace that's really really cool and it's awesome and we're celebrating that and then I get a text from my buddy John who, from California who's been here and preached several times before and their church was booming and they were killing it they were just doing awesome things before COVID and then you know California you guys know how that went they like got shut down crazy 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 and they plummeted and they hadn't been anywhere near a thousand people since COVID and they were running 1400 but last week they had 1870 people and get this 29 baptisms that they didn't know were coming this all of a sudden they're just baptizing people like crazy and, and then I was talking on Monday to my buddy Andrew that preaches at Oklahoma Christian Church in Louisville and how'd it go how'd it go we're talking about he said you're not going to believe this he said we had 29 baptisms yesterday that we didn't know were coming I'm like I've heard this story I've heard this story and, and then Dave Hastings my buddy that preaches right over in Jefferson across the river at Eastside Christian we're texting and he's like dude we had five services and I was like so do we he goes we had 75 baptisms last week that we didn't know were coming and it was like the service was over and they were just like was like if you got to leave go get your kids whatever we're just gonna stay we got some baptisms they they're like 75 baptisms my buddy Scott in Fort Lauderdale had 79 baptisms last Sunday spontaneous didn't know people just saying I gotta do this and you know Scott I said man if you had waited till Tuesday and that rain came you could all just gone to the air airport and done it at once you know everything was flooded <laughs> I believe in a wonder working God yeah and all the miracles I've seen it's too good to not believe so these early Christians they had a, as they're going deeper they had a sense of commitment they had a sense of all and they had a sense of connection look at verse 44 and we're done okay it says and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had now there's there's much more to it than that that Jason's going to unpack next week as they cared for each other but we are connected to each other that's what this fellowship this community of changed lives on the hill that's what we we're connected to because i want you to understand we're connected to the big c church it doesn't matter what names in the front of the building as long as it's preaching jesus the, the jesus of the bible 
There are, there are people all around the world worshiping the same God, same Father, same Son, same Holy Spirit that we are. They may, not, they may not look exactly like us or talk exactly like us or dress like us. They may not even worship exactly like us. But, but we are connected because we all have the same blood flowing through us. It's the blood of Jesus that was shed on a cross so that we could have forgiveness. And because of that, we're all connected. Jesus himself in Mark chapter 9, check this out. Jesus, John comes to him and says, teacher, you can just kind of like, I need to set this. You can just kind of see John like, yeah boy, I'm getting me a gold star right now. And he goes, Jesus, Jesus, check this out. Jesus. We, we saw some, someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't part of our group. <laughs> John's just like, yeah, look what I did, Jesus. And then Jesus said, stop. Don't dare stop him. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone gives you a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth. That person will surely be rewarded. We're part of a big C church. People that follow Jesus. Christians that follow Jesus. I'm going to show you a picture in a minute, but hang on just a second before we put it up. I got a buddy, Chad. I met years ago, 25, 30 years ago, when he was doing an internship in Louisville, and we became friends, and then we lost touch, Then he got married and had a family, and we reconnected about 10 years ago. And he preaches at this church called The Refinery, just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. And we see each other three or four times a year at meetings and stuff like that, but we talk a lot with text and, and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. But... Chad's battling a, a really serious lung disease right now. So in your prayer, if you, if you would pray for Chad, because he's eventually going to have to have both lungs transplanted. And it, it's serious stuff. It's serious stuff. But he's still going hard. Still going hard. And he's doing the coolest thing this year to help his church understand how, how they're connected to the Big C Church. He sent a whole bunch of us letters last December and said, hey, this year we're going to have a prayer time every week and every week I'm going to wear like a different t-shirt from one of your all's churches to preach in and so just so people can know what's going on and we're just going to pray for y'all and have a moment of that around the country so here's my buddy Chad you might recognize him May 21st if you want to get online and watch they're going to be in in Phoenix Arizona they're going to be praying for Shelby Christian Church. And they're going to be t- he's going to tell them some of our story and some of what God's doing. That's just a reminder, we're part of a big C church. Part of a big C church. And the greatest gift that you have to share is that relationship with Jesus. Because here's what Jesus commanded us. As he's getting ready to go back to be the Father, he said, I want you to go and make disciples. That's it. That's the command. Make disciples. Now he said, here's how you do it. You you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Make disciples. Let's go. Let's go. But here's what he also said to those early disciples. He said, guys, you're going to do great things. It's going to be awesome. You guys are fantastic branches, but I'm the vine. And you got to stay connected to one another. But ultimately, you got to stay connected to the vine. Because if you're not connected to the vine, you're going to wither and die. So our bottom line, guys, this morning as we start to dive deeper is that no matter where you're at spiritually, you should desire to dive deeper with God. 
because you were created. You were created to grow. It's always easier to grow with other people. It's always easier to exercise, to work out with other people that will push you. I think it's even easier to diet with others who are eating just like you. It's easier to stay sober when you're hanging out with friends that aren't drinking in front of you. One of the easiest ways to put out a fire is to separate the embers from each other to where they can't feed off each other and they're out by themselves. One of the easiest ways for a lion to kill a zebra is to find one that has gotten away from the herd. Whatever you weighed when you were born, I I, I know some medical things. I, I think Doc would even confirm this for me. Here's what I know. It doesn't really matter how much you weighed when you were born. Some of you may have been preemies like less than two pounds, look like a little Barbie doll. Shoot, some of you may have been those whoppers, like those double-digit births, like you walked out like kind of babies, all right? All right? Here's what I know. I'm, 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 I'm confident of this from a medical standpoint. You wouldn't be here today. Doesn't matter what you weighed when you were born. You wouldn't be here today if you hadn't grown. Take that to the bank. I don't care if you were those 14 pounders walked out and were talking already. If after six months, that's still what you weighed, they wouldn't have been celebrating your birthday. Your parents would have been having to do something tragic because you were born to grow. Every one of us was born to grow. And the same thing is true spiritually. Man, you may just know enough that I know that God loves me and gave his son to die for me and I want to go to heaven. That's really all I know. Fantastic. You may be able to quote the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, the books of the Bible, frontwards and backwards. You may know a whole bunch of stuff, but you still got to grow. You still got to grow. No matter where you are spiritually, you should desire to dive deeper with God because you were created to grow. Would you guys stand up with me? team's going to lead us in another worship song. Here's what I want want to challenge you. I I want to challenge you. If you just need, if you just got some stuff and you just need some alone time, it's time to pray. Go over there under the cross, the prayer area over there. You can just sit, you can kneel, nobody will bother you. All right? If you need to talk to someone, we got people, Bobby and Jason and Dennis, we got people in here that would love to talk to you. But if you're feeling some kind of something that after watching what you watched over here, After you're watching what you watched over here and you're feeling some kind of something that you've got to do something, I'm going to come down and sit right here. And when we start singing, you come to me. And I'll get you connected. And if it's it's today's the day you need to be baptized, we'll do it first of the next service and we'll just keep right on rolling. Because I'm already going to be in there. I'm doing three then. So come on, join the party. What are you waiting on? Let's dive deeper. And let's get serious about this. And let's worship. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love. Oh, your love. 
fails, it never fails. Tired than the mountains that I face, stronger than the power of the grave. It's constant in the trial and the change. This one thing. This one thing remains Your love never fails Your love never fails It never gives up Never runs out on me Your love never fails It never gives up Never runs out on me Your love never fails It never gives up Never runs out on me Your love
Hey, thanks for being here today. If it's your first time you've been with us, man, thanks for coming. Please stop out at the I'm New Wall, Big Orange Wall. we got a gift for you out there. If you're interested in taking the next step to Pathway, see Bobby back there. And when you're going down the hill, remember at the bottom of the hill, get in either the right or left lane, depending on which way you're turning. We'll see you next week. I love God, love people, and watch him change the world.